Most Canadians and Americans don't have a will, which means most people have not taken into consideration that a power of attorney and other concerns will likely be needed before a will is invoked. How would you like to be treated medically if you are no longer able to communicate? Who would be responsible for your financial affairs? On this episode of Executor Help, part two of my conversation with Tim Eusen of Legal Wills. This is the Executor Help podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. So how did you get started with the idea of legal wills? So this came about because we were working in a high-tech company. Uh, we worked at Nortel, actually. Uh, um, I always have to say a high-tech company because a lot of people don't even remember Nortel. Uh, so it depends. Being, being in the financial advisor industry, yeah, I remember Nortel. <laughs> <laughs> So for our younger listeners, Nortel yes. was a huge, huge company. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you used the word was. Go ahead. <laughs> so we, we worked at Nortel and we used to go out for drinks after work uh, every Friday. And we went out one time. There were 15 of us around the table and somebody brought up the topic of, of uh, that they felt that they needed a will and they should have one. And we went around the table at that time and people, they had good jobs. Some had children owned houses families and not one single person around the table had a will and these were people in their 30s 40s and 50s and we thought well, that is a broken system like why on earth if all of these people know that they need a will and it's not necessarily because they can't afford to write a will but that they know they need a will and nobody around the table has written one and even to this day 75 percent of people have not written their will and so it's like 65% of people don't have a will, 10% of people have a will, but it's wildly out of date. So I, I don't count those. So most people don't have a will. So back then, it was part of the dot-com industry. We started this in 2001. Uh, so we've been going for a while now, but back then it was thinking there has got to be a better way. And this was really predating tax software uh, where you know people were started to use online tax platforms. So we decided we would create an online will service. And we worked with some estate planning attorneys at the time. Some said it couldn't be done. Some were a little bit more open to the idea. Um, and we created it and went online in 2001, 2002. So when you say that some some said it couldn't be done, what's the difference between using legal wills versus going to sit down in front of a lawyer? So a lawyer can give you legal advice. Uh, so if you are not sure about your situation and you say, you know, do I have, for example, you know, I have a children from a previous marriage. Am I legally required to provide for them in my will? Uh, you know, if you need an interpretation of the law, then a lawyer will be able to give you that legal advice. We don't give legal advice. Uh, so we allow you to prepare your will, stepping you through that process. So most people don't need legal advice when they're writing a will. So you go into a lawyer's office and many times they'll have you fill out a blank form in reception where you give it to them and they'll prepare your will for you using software to write the will. No lawyer nowadays is starting with a blank piece of paper to write your will right. and they're going to charge you $600. So more often than not, our will is word for word identical because we use the same software that they use, but you're doing it yourself rather than getting a lawyer to do it for you. Okay. So so walk me through the steps of how legal 
wills work so you go online and you click on start your will and it's going to guide you through the process it's going to say what's your first question where are you living what's your province and then we're going to send you down the path of provincially specific documents is not just the will is that also uh applicable for the u.s as well because we got u.s listeners yeah we do u.s actually we have legalwills.ca and uslegalwills.com it's the same company right. same back end but absolutely as you step through it which state or province are you in uh and we're going to take you down the path of doing that and interestingly the wills actually don't diverge as much as powers of attorney and living wills as well so all of those documents are specific to the jurisdiction we also do cover quebec incidentally so we we brought quebec online just a couple of years ago which was quite significantly different to the rest of canada uh, and then we guide you through. What's your family situation? Uh, do you have children? And then who do you want to be the executor? Who do you want to be guardians for your children? Then you get to the distribution of your estate, setting up the trust for minors. Uh, and then at the end of it, your document gets compiled. You pay for the service. Uh, so our will service is $39.95. Uh, we have a couple's package for $59.95. And then at the end of that, you can download and print it as a PDF file or a Word document, and then you sign it in the presence of any two adult witnesses. And once you've signed it and the witnesses sign it, then it becomes a legal document. You have an account if you want to make changes or if you want to save your work halfway through so you're not sure about that guardianship, you want to talk to some family members, you can save your work and return to it with your user ID and password and continue from where you left off. But then at the end, you download it, print it, sign it, and then that's your legal document. Then you put it somewhere safe and let your executor know where it is. Okay, so it all sounds well and fine. Um, <laughs> I've decided on. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it it's, not, it's 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 so easy, just like that. And we we've taken care of that problem. So, but most people, they're gonna get on the computer. I want to do my will. I got a ball of my my uh, favorite Cabernet Sauvignon, and I'm gonna start on you know doing my will. Okay. What should I do before I click in? Should I prepare? Should I have some stuff in advance that I could, you know, easily reference that'll help me help the process go a little bit quicker? Or is it is it going to take several balls of Cabernet Sauvignon over uh, several weekends to to uh, get it get it all done? So we claim that you can do it in twenty minutes to th to half an hour. Um, so that's, so that's half a so that's half a bottle. <laughs> but there's no rush. You don't have to do it in 20 minutes. And there are certainly some points when you step through the process where you can stop and have a think uh, and and save your work. In terms of prep beforehand, it's a good idea to have in your mind uh, who your executor might be or who your guardians might be. And if there's any charitable donations or who's going to look after your pets, have some of those. But people don't necessarily know all of those questions ahead of time. They're going to confront those questions as they step through the service. And they're going to say, I didn't think of uh, pet trust. I had, I had no idea that was a part of the process. So I'm going to have to talk to some people. The one thing you don't need is a full inventory of all of your assets. And people get stuck with that. They think, well, I've got to collect up all of this information about all of my bank accounts before I can get started. And that's not required because your will does not include 
a full inventory of all of your assets. It never should, it never should be a part of your will uh, for a couple of reasons, which I can, so one of them is your assets will change after you've written your will. So you don't want to have to update your will every time an asset changes. And secondly, your will is a public document. Uh, once you've died and it goes into the probate process, anybody can read it. So you don't necessarily want a list of all of the assets you ever owned in your will. You should have an inventory of your assets, but not in your will. It should be stored with your will. Right. And that will help your executor. So when 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 the will is filed, you know, we push the button and it's, you know, you print it out. So what happens to it? Is it now in the legal system? Is it so when it comes to time to settle the estate, what would the executor do with a, a legal will? So no, once you signed it and in the present and the witnesses have signed it, then that is a legal document. Right. But it doesn't become your will until you die. Okay. So it's a legal document that is a effectively a, a living document. You can update it throughout your life. And I think that's one of the key misconceptions about a will is that you only write it once in your lifetime. And that, and you absolutely do not. And I think that's one of the reasons why people procrastinate is because they say, I'm going to wait until I get married or I buy a house or we have the second child or I get the new job or we move house, you know, when we move to Montreal or whatever that I'm going to wait until that's when I'm going to write the will. And you don't have to do that. You you write the will and then you're going to update it throughout your lifetime as your circumstances change. Then the moment you die, then that will becomes an active document. And that's when the executor then finds your most recent one. And we can make reference to Aretha Franklin again, who didn't destroy the old ones when she wrote the new ones and confused everybody. Uh, but you should destroy any old ones when you prepare a new one. There should be one last will and testament. And that's the document that the executor will then file with the probate office. And this is an important part of the process. What then happens is that that is certified as the official last will and testament. And your executor is officially given the authority to act as the administrator of the estate. And they are given what's called a grant of probate and that document from the probate office is the document that they can take to the bank and all of your financial institutions, and they will accept, okay, you're the executor, you can have access to all of the funds. The executor can't show up at the bank with a will in their hand and say, hey, I'm the executor, I've got this will, can I have all the money? A bank's not going to give them a second look. You, we've, you know, we... We talked about, you know, the executor, the guardians, the family. Should you have the conversation about what you've done or you're going to do before you make the will? Or should you have a conversation after you've made the will with your executor and the family members so that they understand what your wishes are? The executor should know. Absolutely. The executor should should know that they are the should executor. You ask the executor and... Should you ask the executor before you... you um, open up the ball of Cabernet Sauvignon and you're starting on legal wills or should um of who the executor is going to be or should they wait until they've done it and said oh by the way I've named you as executor you can step to our service and name them and uh and then ask them uh, I would recommend that you speak to them before you sign the document in the presence of witnesses because then that does actually become a legal appointment once if you were to die that would be a legal appointment 
so I would certainly recommend that you have a conversation with them before it, the document gets signed. You can certainly step through our service, have a word with them. And if they say, you know what, I just don't feel comfortable with it, then go back into our service and appoint somebody else instead. And then maybe talk to that person before you you change the name, right? So, and, but and yeah. do you do you suggest more than one executor, Ooh. just in case one predeceases you, and then you don't have to go back in and put in a, you know should you have, and what's your what's your thought on co-executors? Yes, excellent question. So our, our service actually technically allows up to three co-executors and three backups, but we always say. Do not name co-executives. <laughs> so, so name one, and people have come to us and said, but I really can't name one. I want to be fair to the children. Yeah. I want to name them all as co-executives. I, I don't want to seem, be seen to be favoring one child over another. So I'm like, ah, okay, well, you can technically name up to three, but it's a bad, bad, bad idea. Um, so you should name one. Uh, but you can name three backups, and that would always be our, our answer. Name one first choice and then up to three who can then in turn step into that, that role. But co-executors is going to slow the process down, uh, and they all have to sign off on every piece of documentation and all have to agree on everything. It's it's just uh, and, and if And if there's tension between the executors already while you're alive and now you're gone, again what could possibly go wrong yeah it, it, yeah so so we recommend not um you know we recommend one person and sometimes you know you just gotta you know that sense of i want to be fair and i and i'm gonna tie that into the second part of your question should you let the beneficiaries know Ooh, that's a tough question. That is, and I'm not so good at the touchy-feely question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can talk well about the mechanics of writing a will, but here's, I guess I, I'm going to throw it back as a question for you. If you have two children who have all, who have both done differently in life, one has, let's call them succeeded financially in life, and one of them has more of a struggle in their life is it fair to leave them both an equal amount or is it fair that one should receive more than the other and this is such a dilemma and i don't have the answer uh well you know, fair, is, fair is not always fair is not always equal yep absolutely so, and then yep but if you've got to flip it back and think about it, to when these kids were with their parents, they're not going to look at it as I've done better in life. And this one doesn't as well. They're going to see it as mom has left you more than me. So they're going to think back to, you know, when we were kids, you know, you got a, you got an extra treat or you got more allowance than me because mom liked you better. So forget what age you are they're still going to see mom and dad uh in a certain light and you as a sibling whether you might have been favored or not favored you, you're you're still not going to fit even though you maybe you you're doing much better than your sibling it still comes down to um the parent favoring not favoring but they're being practical hey i need to leave them a little bit more because they're not doing as well but in the yeah. same respect, I'm going to look at it as, well, okay, but mom, why are you doing this? You're going to revert back to be 
the child. I, I agree, but there's there's one other dynamic at play here as well. When your parents get towards their final years, right. oftentimes one sibling ends up doing the majority of the care in those final years. Uh, and one's, you know, moved to Sydney, Australia, and the other one lives around the corner. And, and so there, there can also be that dynamic to say, we haven't heard from you. In, you know, we get a Christmas card once a year for the last 10 years. I've been caring for my our, our parents for the last 10 years. Is it fair that we now get it split down the middle? So there's a lot of interesting dynamics um, that are that, at play here. That comes so, back to our, do you have that conversation? This is why <laughs> I've done what I've done. So, I, so you know, your, your question is, should you let the beneficiaries know and, and my my feeling is the answer i lean towards yes because i hope that there's a rationale behind everything that's being done even if that rationale is you know what i've decided to not leave anything to either of you i wanted to, I've, I've decided to leave it all to the humane society and that's just what i wanted to do and and i'm going to explain that you could explain it in a letter i suppose um but there's no harm in letting the beneficiaries know Wow. Well, you came in from that angle. I'm not leaving <laughs> neither. <laughs> so, so, so the one in Australia who who was sending that card every year, I'm pretty sure they're not sending a card anymore. So, really, mom, really? I, I, I'm, I'm going to leave you with a, actually a really great anecdote as well about the woman who left her inheritance to every one of her children who showed up as a at a funeral. But didn't the will wasn't read until after her funeral, and this is a true story. Right. And then, like five children, none of them showed up at the funeral, and they said, "I'm sorry, you've all been disinherited because you didn't show up." And there was, uh, and then they all challenged the will, and uh, it was very clear that if you didn't show up for the funeral, you weren't getting anything. Wow! Wow! So, final questions in terms of you believe, and we talked a little bit about it about, you know, once you have the will, and I think, yeah, it's fine that you have a will, um, but just because you get it doesn't mean you get to get it and forget it. Um, how often should people update a will? So traditionally, we think of it in terms of any time you have a change in your circumstances, but it actually goes beyond that. It's any time there's a change of circumstance to anybody named in the will. So for example, your executor, they, they're taken ill, they're in the hospital, then they're not going to be able to serve as your executor anymore. So update your executor or even your backup executor. Um, and this happened actually um, with Bernie Madoff. Uh, it was his, I think it was his son who named Bernie Madoff as his executor. Might not have been the yeah. best choice. <laughs> <laughs> it was his dad. <laughs> but uh yeah, so not necessarily somebody you want to trust with your estate, but uh, <laughs> but no. he he was at that point unqualified to uh, to serve as the executor. So whenever there's a uh, an executive appointment or even a guardianship, uh, where your guardian has or, moved, or or what about a divorce? Absolutely. So if there's a change in your circumstance, if you get married, you get divorced, you have children, grandchildren. Uh, anything like that, or even you have a sudden windfall yourself, uh, then absolutely you should be taking another look at your will. But also, if there's somebody named in your will who you know your guardians have triplets of their own, and you think, well, looking after our three as well isn't going to work, 
so then that's a time for updating your will. So in general, take a look at it every year or so and say, does this still reflect my wishes? Because it could be somebody comes into your life who has a positive impact on your life and you want to recognize that in your will. Or conversely, somebody's really upset you. You might want to take another look at your will. So your circumstances change. And uh, I, I, I'm reminded of a friend of mine who said that they, they have a will, uh, but it hasn't been updated since the children were born. Right. And I said, Dave, you're, your children are 28 and 25 now. What do you mean you haven't updated it since they were born? Like you've missed all of those those years where your will should have been updated as they were born. You named guardians, set up trusts for them. There were things that should have been put into the will. So certainly you should never let it get that out of date. And people come to us all the time and say, we wrote it in 1981. We feel it's time to update it now. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely time to update your will. In our remaining moments, any final thoughts? Yes, just get started. Like get started on writing your will. And even if you don't use our service, and I don't mean, don't want this to be a plug for our service, there's ways that you can go and and at least look at uh, different options for preparing your will. We haven't really talked about the the options. Don't handwrite your will. Don't do that. Don't start with a blank piece of paper and and think you can have a good go at writing your own will. That's a really bad idea. Well, use uh, Aretha Franklin as the example. Yeah, absolutely. Bad, bad idea. So don't handwrite your will. You can certainly make inquiries with some lawyers, uh, but it's going to cost you about six, $700. If you use a service like ours, you don't even have to write your will using our service, but it might give you some things to think about. Uh, it might good, be good preparation for an appointment with an attorney. I, we don't have a problem with that. Just learn what the elements of your will are. Uh, but get started. Click on get started and, and see what's involved in the will. And you may be done before you even know that you've, you've got you've got through it and you thought, well, that wasn't so bad. I didn't think it would be as bad as that. And the bottle's empty. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Hewson from the your CEO of Legal Wills Group of Companies. I want to thank you so much for being here on the Executive Help podcast. People want to learn more about legal wills. What should they do? Where do they go? How do they click that button to get started? So as you mentioned, we're in Canada, legalwills.ca. There is a get started button right on the homepage. We are in the US at uslegalwills.com. We're actually in the UK as well at legalwills.co.uk. Um, so you can prepare, just go, go to the website, look at the blog, look at, there's some interesting resources there. We have a support team who will answer any questions. We don't charge for answering any questions. Even if that question is, is your service suitable for me? We do actually, when you click on get started, we have an onboarding process to, to determine whether it, our service would be suitable for you. But yeah, I would just recommend you go to the websites and click on get started and, uh, it's probably not as difficult as you think. And Tim Hewson from the Legal Wills uh, Group of Companies. I want to and thank you so much for being here. Thank We're probably going to have more conversations down in the future because the will is something that a lot of people, you know, they're afraid of or they've got it and they haven't done anything about it. And a service such as yours is helping so many people help families not be left in disorganized and in chaos. So once again, thank you very much for being here. I've really enjoyed it, David. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davideady.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.